So if he is targeted for the champion hurdle, he's a massive price at 33 to 1. And I think you could definitely afford to put a couple of speculative pounds on it and hope for a big gun. Hello there, racing fans, and welcome back to episode 99 of the Ginger Joe Racing Show, brought to you in association with betting.co.uk, the UK's number one bookmaker comparison site, bringing you all of the very best offers across the board, but all on one website. And don't forget, you don't just have to have the one account. You can split your funds across multiple accounts to ensure you're getting the very best offers out there. Just click that big green button. And I'm your host, Ginger Joe, and I'm back again, but with something a little bit different now with nine weeks to go until the Cheltenham Festival. Myself and my wingman, Joe from JM Racing, are going to be previewing some of the races all the way up to the Cheltenham Festival, giving you a few previews, a few verdicts, a few of our selections, and we'll just see how we go. We're going to be doing at least one of these a week, so don't forget to subscribe as we look ahead to the Cheltenham Festival. How are you doing, Joe? Happy to be here? Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. I'm looking forward to this, yeah. No problem at all. Hopefully we can find a few winners between us, at least share some of the knowledge that we have done so far. And I've known Joe for a little while now, and he's been pretty good, to be honest, with some of the information he's been given, and he even gave me a 10 to 1 winner last week. So what's not to like there? Now, before we go on to give you some of the selections, don't forget there is an exclusive offer to you, my viewers, provided by Betfred, and I'll pop the link in the description for that below as well. But without further ado, let's get straight on with the preview. Okay, so we're going to start by previewing the Supreme Novices Hurdle over two mark half a furlong. One of my favourite races of the entire festival. This is for the speedy Novices Hurdlers, and we always seem to find a star coming out of that Supreme. So I just can't wait for this one. This year is going to be no different as well, especially when we start by looking at the lineup. At the head of the market, as usual, we've got some Henderson runners, and we've got some Mullins horses too. Nicky Henderson's actually won this four times with the likes of Altior, who then went on to win the champion chase in 2018 and 2019. And more recently, the likes of Shishkin, who's this year's odds-on champion chase favourite at the moment, looking to follow in the same footsteps as Altior. Willie Mullins has a few too. Now, he actually holds the record with seven wins in the Supreme. He actually done this by uh, winning with Tourist Attraction, first of all, in 1995. But since then, he has actually trained the likes of Champagne Fever, Votor, Duvan, Classical Dream, and most recently, Appreciated, who was the record-breaking 24-length winner of the Supreme last year. Now, both Henderson and Mullins have a real strong hand in this race again, and your current favourite is Constitution Hill at 2-1. to one. We then have John Bond at 3-1, to one, Sir Gerhard at 5s. It's 14-1 to one for my mate Mozzie, Dysart Dynamo and Mighty Potter, and pretty much 20-1 to one bar and any price you'd like for the rest. Now, after last year, Ireland winning the Presby Cup 23-5. The home team do seem to have a really good start to the festival here, with Nicky Henderson training the first two in the betting. Constitution Hill we start with at 2-1. to one. Now, he's 2-2 two for two after winning the Tollworth hurdle last time out. And he actually bolted up on David at Sandown. He beat Mai Tai by a staggering 14 lengths. And then went on to win the Tollworth this weekend on really testing ground. So the form's stacking up quite well. Um, so far, he's been really visually impressive and clearly has that huge engine. But for me, Joe, I think 2-1 to one's probably a little bit short for me right now. What are your thoughts on Constitution Hill? Yeah, I'd have to agree. He has been very impressive in both his runs so far this season, especially the run in the Tollworth. I think that was a definite step forward. And for me, what was most impressive was that he still showed that turn of foot that he showed on debut, even though the ground was a lot heavier that day. And at Sandown, it can get really heavy. So that was impressive to see him perform like that. He probably won't have conditions like that for Cheltenham, but I think he showed on debut on faster ground that he can also handle that. And He's got a great attitude, whether it be at home and on the track, he transferred that well and he jumped up big when Nico asked him to. And I think he, although he's short in a two-point betting, you can see why he's a class act. And I think he will improve further as the season goes on. 
Yeah, he's de- he is definitely one of those. Like visually, he's really impressive. Uh, but as me and you were talking earlier, like the Tollworth has never worked out um, with with regards to transferring that form over to the Supreme. And like you rightly mentioned as well, he's not going to have anything like these conditions that he had in the Tollworth when it comes to Cheltenham in March. Um, I personally think he's too short to back today. Clearly, he's got claims. Um, and I know the vibes are extremely strong as well. Another thing we discussed earlier with Michael Buckley, the owner of Constitution Hill, he doesn't watch much racing, he doesn't come over often, but the vibes are really, really strong. He flew over uh, just to see Constitution Hill running the Tollworth and then actually flew back as well. And what I do like about Constitution Hill, to be fair, is that Nicky says that he works really well at home. But if we look back historically, like Altior had quirks, Shishkin uh, had quirks, but Constitution Hill looks really, really straightforward. But for me, like you said about the form when he was riding in the Tollworth being a bit heavy, for me, I don't know if two miles is just a little bit short for him. And I'm wondering if two mile four is probably more his bag. He's nice and straightforward and I get everyone's point. I understand the angle, but for me, it's just a little bit too short. John Bond, however, the three to one second favorite, Nicky's other runner. Now he typically has some quirky traits, but another who's got a massive engine. Now, not only does he have the pressure of being a good horse from the stable he comes from, but he is Duvan's younger brother. And he actually cost JP a pretty penny as well, 570,000 um, pounds. Now so far he's actually proven his worth. He's been unbeaten in all three runs to date. He won his bumper at Newbury easily enough. Went back there and went easy on his hurdles debut, but then he took a really big step forward to win at Ascot just before Christmas. Now personally, I would have him just ahead of Constitution Hill at this time. Um, but it is early days, but to me, John Bond, for all his quirks, after he's jumped the first couple of fences, he really does knuckle down, starts to seem a bit more professional. And like you said earlier when we were talking as well, Joe, he definitely loves his jump in this one. And for me, I just think he's going to be a little bit better suited to Cheltenham over Constitution Hill. But again, I wouldn't want to be too guaranteed yet. What do you think regarding their chances, Joe? Yeah, well, I think both of Nicky Henderson's in the betting are quite short. I wouldn't be taking two to one or three to one on either of them at the minute. But I think John Bond, might have that star quality that Constitution Hill might lack. And when you look him at Ascot, it might be too early to say he's got shades of Duvan, but he definitely does have that star quality. And of course, Duvan does know how to win a Supreme, having won it a few years ago. So it's in the pedigree that he can go and win this race. For me at Ascot, he was very impressive because they didn't go fast at all early on, but he set some serious fractions in the middle part of the race and he had some very good horses off the bridle turning in and from there he showed a good attitude to win pretty comfortably in the end. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I really couldn't agree more. And what I do like again about John Bond, like you said, although he wins going away, even though he has to be nudged, he just he just answers every question that seems to be asked of him. Um, I just really like the way he shaped. I'm with you at the moment, I'm definitely in the John Bond camp out of the two. But we then do have Sir Gerhard as well for the Mullins team. Now, he did win his two first bumpers for uh, Gordon Elliott before all the controversy. And then obviously, Sheely Park switched Sir Gerhard to Mullins, but you wouldn't want him to switch to anywhere else. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, now, he won the bumper under a tremendous rage ride. He grabbed it from the front. It was a seriously, seriously good ride from Rage that day. And then he wasn't really at his best next time at Punchestown when he was beaten a month later. But I was really, really impressed by the way he came out and did his hurdles job. For me, he's the one that ticks a lot of the boxes. He sort of jumps, he travels. There's not a lot you can sort of say against him other than the fact that at the head of the market, we've got John Bond and Constitution Hill looking seriously excited. What are your thoughts on Sir Gerhard, Joe? Yeah, for sure. Looking back to that champion bumper, he is a very fast horse. And of course, that's what you need for this test in the Supreme, I think. His hurdling debut was also good. He jumped slick, he travelled well and he won, Paul Townend could have won by as far as he wanted to on the horse early. 
I think if the Super Bowl was running tomorrow, I think he does have something to find with the two Nicky Henderson horses. But I think if he can get another running before heading to the Super Bowl, he can take a big step forward. And at that point, I think he could be on par or even surpass them two Nicky Henderson horses. Yeah, I have to be honest, I'm the same with you. I do think he's going to have to get a little better. But I mean, they're novices for a reason. Obviously, they are due to improve. But like you said, John Bourne and Constitution Hill, they're going to be beasts come um, come March, but they do have their question marks. Like you said, so Gerhard, a lot of people have franked his form, his bumper form with uh, Kilcrook. If you look at everything that was behind that day, everything seems to run its race. And I know Kilcrook hasn't come out firing this year, but that's not Sir Gerhard's fault. The times were good in the bumper and he won that really, really well. Um, and for me, like I said, although he doesn't look overly flashy, he is one that sort of ticks a lot of the boxes. And come March, you can be sure that he's going to be ready to at least put in a personal bet. So he is hard to dismiss for sure. Although at the moment, again, you know, it's real hard to wait. We've got nine weeks to go yet again, and there's a lot that can happen in between now and then. Um, but it's, um, but yeah, so Gerhard's definitely one that I do like as well at the moment. Um, there's a couple in the uh, further down in the market that I like. My mate Mozzie, uh, Joe B, and one of them from the Gavin Cromwell team. Now he's actually two out of three over hurdles and he actually should have been three out of three if it wasn't for that really bad jump at the last in the Royal Bond. Um, he was actually running away with a race at the time and to me, he's one that just physically and visually looks like he's got this massive, massive engine. I'm not totally sure he's going to come to Cheltenham, but if you can get non-running no bet at 14 to one now, I think that's going to be a massive bet because that isn't going to be available on the day if he definitely decides to go. Do you know much about my mate Mozzie? Have you seen much of him so far, Joe? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think he was impressive in the Royal Bond by that jump at the last, but for me this race, I can't get away from the top three in the bet, and I think they are a level apart from any other novice hurdlers we've seen over two miles this season. So for me, it's all about the top three in the betting, and I can't see anything else really getting into it, if I'm honest. Yeah, again, again, I can't, it's hard to really disagree with your point there, especially with, as you said, you've got Constitution Hill, John Bond, and uh, Sir Gerhard, all visually impressive. The only opportunity that I think that my mate Mozzie has, and if he does come here, I think the engine's massive. With John Bond probably going to go off quite quick, I do think he's going to have to go off and grab this uh, grab this race by the neck. I really do. I think he's going to have to really go out and win this. And with Constitution coming from the back, it may mean that the race potentially falls apart a little bit, which actually may mean something like my mate Mozzie coming at that home turn is probably still going to go really well. So even if they each way punters, he may be worth a look. But I, like you, I do think it's really difficult to get away from um, some at the front of the market at the moment. I'm going to go on to the verdict now. And personally, I, at the moment, have John Bonn as the winner. I think he's the most likeliest winner. If I was given a free £50 bet, I think at the moment I'd be going with John Bonn at the prices, three to one. I've got Sir Gerhard finishing second and my mate Mozzie finishing third. Now, I'm not knocking anything to Constitution Hill, Joe. I just think he needs further. I, I would personally have him in the Ballymore myself, but obviously it's not up to me and I've probably got it wrong. But what about you, Joe? John Bond for me, who's your verdict here? For me, it's uh, Gerhard. And I think another very important fact is how the race is going to be run. I slightly disagree. I think John Bond will be sat in behind. I think if it is Aidan Coleman with the ride, I think he'll want to settle him. Nicky Henderson has been vocal about that. And I think we could see something similar with Sir Gerhard in the bumper where he almost stole it off the front end. And I think if he can get to the front, he's a speedy, speedy horse. And if he can just kick off that home bend, I think he can probably stay in front of John Bond and Constitution Hill and my mate Mozzie, as you said, the late closers. But I think Sir Gerhard is definitely my bet at five to one at the minute. 
It's such a fascinating race every single year. I love the roar after the third. You know, as soon as the take goes up and they go, the roar is excellent. And from there, tactically, it has always been sort of, you've really got to keep your eye on what's going on around the whole field because then come the home turn, that is when you seem to have a bigger picture of what's actually going to happen coming up that hill. And as we know, it's much deeper than we think. But anything else to add on that then, uh, Joe? No, that's all for me, to be fair. I think them top three, as I said earlier, are definitely the horses that I'd be finishing in the front three. Desert Dynamo does catch the eye, but I think the step up to two and a half miles would be more likely. So I think he'll be going for the Ballymore. Yeah, I, I, again, I absolutely agree. I love Dysart Dynamo. I actually latched onto him after he won his first bumper. Um, he looked to me every bit like he wanted to go a little bit further, even though he has won over two miles. That's why I haven't really mentioned him here as, uh, myself. He is now as short as seven to one for the Ballymore, when he was even nine to one at one stage for the Supreme. But due to him shortening up there, that's where the money's gone. And he has now drifted out to 14 to one for the Supreme. So I think that does tell us the story there. But yeah, OK then, Joe, John Bond for me, so Gerhard for you. And we'll go on to the champion hurdle next. OK, so we're going to move on to the champion hurdle now, the feature on day one, the very first championship race of the entire week and my actual highlight of the entire week as well. And I just can't wait to see Honeysuckle and Rach bid for a second champion hurdle and what would actually be their third consecutive Cheltenham Festival win after conquering Benny Digger in the 2020 Mayor's Hurdle as well. Now, not that anyone actually needs reminder, but Honeysuckle is 13 from 13 under rules, which includes nine grade ones, which is a Mayor's grade hurdle, uh, grade one hurdle, the champion hurdle, and three Hatton's race wins as well. And she just seems to be getting better and better each time. And that's not to mention her RPR performance already. For me, Honeysuckle and Rachel are just absolutely superb. And oh yeah, Rachel's also been breaking records herself. She was the first woman to be leading jockey at the Cheltenham Festival last year, and then went on to become the first female jockey to pick up the Grand National Award. And then obviously deservedly won the BBC Sports Personality World Sports Star of the Year. I absolutely take my hat off to these. I absolutely think they're great. Now we should absolutely be in all of these while they're still in our sport. I really do think they shone a lot of light on the world when we were in a very dark place. And Joe, they're just tremendous. She just wins this, doesn't she? Yeah, I mean, there's no guarantees for the Cheltenham Festival, but if you had to pick a winner at this point, you'd definitely be having Honeysuckle on the shortlist. I think this horse, not only is she a brilliant horse, she's brought racing to a much wider audience. If you think back to the champion hurdle, her and Rachel Blackmore have strung up a ter uh, terrific partnership. And I think Henry de Bombhead has done some job because they've gone to war 13 times out of the last 13 and have been victorious every time. That is definitely some training performance, even though that they get the way and she's a class horse. If I'm looking elsewhere on the card, I think appreciate it if he does turn up, could pose some threat. I mean, Honeysuckle hasn't had too much competition in recent years. And if you think to appreciate it, winning the Supreme by 24 lengths, that form, although it, it hasn't worked out the strongest, I think, appreciate it is a very high class horse and could be Honeysuckle's toughest test year. I'm not sure what you think about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of tend to agree with you, to be honest. I mean, there's a bit of this like an enigma around appreciate as well after that win. And although everyone's saying he was, he's been switched from fences back to hurdles, I wouldn't really think switching him from fences to hurdles is exactly the right turn. They might have tried and scored him at home a little bit, but look, Besides all of that, visually, he has been so impressive. You can't really get away from that form in the Supreme. And even if Blue Lord was to stay on his feet, he was still going to win by 12, 13, 14 lengths. And it was easy as you like as well. 
Um, I don't think he's going to be able to give seven pounds to Honeysuckle and win. I just think tactically, Rach and Honeysuckle at Cheltenham have got this spot on. You go back and watch the champion hurdle just as they turn for home. She Rach gives a little kick on Honeysuckle. She manages to gain, gain three lengths on her field and she's just away. I really think she's going to be um, tough to peg back. Um, but even though, like we said, we're probably both in the Honeysuckle camp in this one, there's, like you said, Joe, there's definitely no guarantees. Um, and she actually won the Hatton's Grace really well this year. I think she was better this year than she was last year when Henry de Bromer said she was potentially a little bit undercooked for last year's renewal. However, she came out this year and proved that she's in fine form again. And like you said in one of your videos over on your JM Racing channel as well, Henry de Bromer hasn't actually been in very good form, but she came out and still managed to get the business done. And to me, that just makes her really, really impressive. Um, for an alternative, I do like to give one as well, Joe. As we said, we both think Honeysuckle is going to take a lot of beating here, but I do really like Charger. He's been second in the champion hurdle twice now. Um, now, he has had four Matterson hurdle wins, and he is probably a horse that deserves a little bit more credit than he's got, albeit he hasn't really won anything at Chowton yet, but he's gone really, really close. I actually still think he's a little bit underrated with these hold-up tactics, and I think he's getting better each year. And although, again, another I don't think is going to be good enough to beat Honeysuckle, Patrick left him really far behind the field when he was closing a bit of distance last time out. And again, although I don't think he's going to be able to pass Honeysuckle, Honeysuckle kicked for home on that turn and probably stole through a full length. So if you take that off the winning distance, she may have won by four or five come the finish line. Although I think she's going to be a better horse this year, I just think Charger's definitely going to be worth, worth a mention. Um, before we go on to get the verdict and anything else you'd like to mention regarding the champion hurdle here, Joe, I just want to mention a few stats here regarding Honeysuckle as well, because although on paper she is actually going to be showing as an eight-year-old, she wasn't folded until the 28th of April in 2014 by her damn first royal. So actually when she won the champion hurdle last year as a seven-year-old, she was actually six, which means when she won the mayor's hurdle, officially she was only five. Um, this means I think she's going to have a lot more coming. And, and to be honest, you don't see many unbeaten hurdlers in uh, national hunt racing. She really is something special. Um, definitely one of, one of a kind. She's going to take some beating. But anything from a bit further left the field, Joe? Yeah, well, moving on to my actual selection, actually, is Willie Mullins does have a few good horses in here, including Charger, as you mentioned earlier. But I like one at a much bigger price, and it's actually San Juan, which is 33 to 1. Now, Moving into why I like this horse, if you remember a few years back, it won the county hurdle off a mark of 137. And although that's no reason why it is going to win the champion hurdle, that was an extremely impressive performance and it showed it was very well handicapped. It kind of lost its way after that. It was beaten by Abracadabra, was beaten by Charger, and then it got smacked 20 lengths by Honeysuckle. And that was a poor performance. It came from 10 months off the track and its reappearance behind Charger was a very big eye catcher for me. And that's why I actually fancy this horse is through this piece of form. It was far too keen for Rachel Blackmore. It missed a few of the flights. And if you watch that race back between Petit Mouchoir, kept on coming up the inside, didn't let Samoa settle at all, a horse that can be very keen. And I think if it improves from that run, back in a strong field in the champion hurdle. This strong pace will allow it to settle like it's shown in the county hurdle. And at these conditions very often where it's been able to settle and keep on. And I think if it can get that strong pace, it can settle nicely. And I think this could be a very, very good horse who hasn't showed his true ability. Now, the big concern would be he's got a mark of 155 now. So he could be running off top weight in the county hurdle. And Willie Mullins has done this before 
in 2017 when Arctic Fire ran off 158 top weight and won. So if he is targeted for the champion hurdle, he's a massive price at 33 to 1. And I think you could definitely afford to put a couple of speculative pounds on it and hope for a big gun. Yeah, Joe, honestly, you know, you made a really good case for him there. And last year as well, I do remember Willie Mullins making no secret what he actually thought of Samoa. So if any of you viewers out there fancy Samoa at 33 to 1, go over to betting.co.uk, take advantage of some of those offers because Joe's made a really, really good point of him there. I am in the honeysuckle camp, but I think even I'm going to go and take advantage of that Samoa price at 33 to 1. But anything else to add, Joe? No, I think that's all really. I think it's just all about honeysuckle and this is one horse that is, I think it's kind of replaced Tiger World as the people's champion. Just everyone loves this horse and I'll definitely be cheering her and Rachel Blackmore on. Absolutely. Look, super filly, super woman on board, what's not to like? Okay, I'm, I'm definitely firmly in the honeysuckle camp, but Joe, I'm definitely going to have a few quid each way on Samoa myself at 33 to 1. On to the mezzo. So for the third and final race that we're going to look at on today's show is going to be the Mayor's Hurdle over two mile full furlongs on the old course here at Cheltenham. And this has actually been a really good race over the years with winners such as Honeysuckle, Benny DeJew, Apples Jade, Vroom Vroom Mag, and of course, Kuvega, who went to win this six times between 2009 and 2014. Quite an unbelievable feat when you think about it. Willie Mullins has also won this race nine times, but not really got a hot pot in it this year. This is a really wide open race this year. Um, and in the betting, Joe, we've got Tell Me Something Girl, your 11 to two favorite, Stormy Island at seven to one, Royal Kahala at eight, Heaven Help Us at nine to one, Epitonte at nine to one as well. She wears it well at tens and 14 to one bar those. We'll start with the favorite here, Joe, Tell Me Something Girl. Now she won the Mayor's Novices Hurdle, another really brilliant race ride from last year's festival. And visually, as I've mentioned to you when we were discussing earlier, I do find this really hard to get out of my brain. I think if she comes here and she's going to be in peak form for the day, I could see her sort of being held up again and coming forward and just taking the race by the scruff of the neck come the home tip. And although, as you've mentioned, Henry de Bromel has been out of form, I really do think come China, he's going to have everything ready. Held up, jumped, traveled, quick and clear, and one by five that day, possibly even had more still left in the tank. One that may just appreciate the hill at Cheltenham and seem to really appreciate the tactics of that race. I don't think a repeat performance is going to put her too far away, but it is a real wide open race. Joe, what are your thoughts at the moment? Yeah, it's far from a vintage renewal. You mentioned some of the previous winners there, which Honeysuckle, Apples, Jade, they were some top class mares. And I don't think this is a vintage renewal of the race at this point, but I do like Tell Me Something Girl. I mean, it wouldn't be a strong selection, but I think what I like about this horse is, as well as it's winning the mares novice last season, that was very impressive. It stepped forward on it from its first to second run this season quite nicely. It was a poor reappearance. It was beaten 10 lengths into fifth and it was up to two and a half miles when it was third of ninth. It had Royal Kahala in front of it that day, but I think it was overlooked in the betting as well at 11 to one. A big one probably wasn't expected, but it did run very well into third. It was doing its best work towards the end. And I think if it can take another step forward from that, I think it can reverse the form with Royal Kahala and maybe go on to win this race. Yeah, again, everything you say, I'm just going to echo there, Joe. And as well, when Tammy something girl finished third, obviously had, she had more weight as well. But like you said, she was always doing her best work at the end. Everything there just seems to tick all the boxes towards Cheltenham. I mean, if we have a quick look at Royal Kahala, obviously she won at uh, Leperstown on the 29th. Um, but she does need it really soft. And even though she went off favorite for the Mayor's Novices last year, 
Um, again, coming to Cheltenham, I don't think it's going to suit her. And although the price tag and the engine is there and everything for eight to one, I think she'd probably do better something at the Dublin Racing Festival or waiting for Aintree or maybe going to Punchestown. But again, another one that for me, visually, just can't get that tell me something girl run out of, out of my head. Um, another one to maybe sort of question is Stormy Island. Quite a frustrating type of mine. Um, now for me, what I don't like about Stormy Island is that tactically they've been going, trying her as a front runner, a back runner, they've tried it too many trips yet. For Willie Mullins back in the day, she had a really big engine. She was really well fancied for some of the top mares races and lost her way. Sent off to Paul Nichols, not totally sure why, didn't really put her best foot forward. Come back to Willie Mullins and she's now won three out of her five. Now, I'm not sure if it's one that she's just come in a bit with age and a bit of maturity. Obviously, she may have actually got beat by Bruin up a storm last time. I'm not sure what would happen if he if he stayed on his feet. A little bit too unreliable, but I could definitely see Stormy Island running a big race on the day. But at the moment, it is a real open race, Joe, isn't it? I mean, is there anything else you'd like to mention in this race at this point? Uh, it wouldn't be a selection, but I'd definitely rule out Epitant, who still is quite short in a bit. And I think this horse will definitely be going to them. I think this is an out and out two miler. And for Nicky Henderson, who knows how to win, I think that would be definitely be one to oppose. On Stormy Island, I think it probably was a little bit lucky as blowing up a storm was coming very fast at Cheltenham. But come March, Willie Mullins definitely knows how to win this race. So you can never rule out a Willie Mullins horse in this race. Probably going to be a little bit better on the day this race as well. And Personally, I'm just going to wait until the day, see what I find out on the day, because we don't even know what the full lineup's going to be at the moment. But again, based on what we've seen at the moment, maybe a bit of a boring selection, but I do think Tommy Something Go is going to be the likeliest winner. And it could actually be a really big 45 minutes for Honeysuckle's owner and Tommy Something Go's owner, Kenneth, Kenneth Alexander. Um, likely to receive a lot of support on the day. So if you do want to get involved with Tommy Something Go, the other positive is that this is going to be her target. She will probably line up and she will probably be, be shorter than 11-2 on the day based on what is surrounding the field. But what we're going to do now is bring you one anti-post selection for the Charlton Festival, and that's coming up next. Okay, so we're now going to move on to the anti-post selections time. The moment you've all been waiting for where Joe and I are going to be giving you one selection each. And I'll go first this week, Joe, and we're starting in the National Hunt Chase where I fancy Cappadano at 12 to 1 for the Willie Mullins team. Owned by JP McManus and before Statler's performance at Fairy House before Christmas, where he obviously surprised a few with the speed he showed that day. I think Cappadano was going to be the horse that they were aiming at the National Hunt Chase. And yes, he's still going to be going there. But the reason I like Cappadano is he's only had one run so far and he was really, really good this year. He does hold two entries at the China Festival. He runs here and also entry entered in the Festival Novices Chase. But let's face it, they're not going to go and take on Gallop in Deschamps. So he goes here with an RPR of 147, which suits him really well. And to be honest, I think that really underwhelms his ability, especially at this point as well. Um, Statler's presence and his real impressive performance at Fairy House means that 12 to 1 is now available from 8 to 1. And there's no reason why he should have been drifted out to the market for another horse's performance, especially when he hasn't had a chance to build on his impressive start to his career. Um, I think he's going to be halves on the day. He's one out of one over fences so far, and he's a really unexposed type. He definitely hasn't hit the height of his ability yet, Joe, and I think come March, he's going to be raring to go on day one. and may even go a little bit unnoticed. So for me, Cappadano in the National Hunt Chase at 12 to 1 is my first anti-post selection of our Charlton Cup. Yeah, for me, I'll be sticking with the Willie Mullins yard, but in this time, it's the Cheltenham Gold Cup, and the horse I like here is Album Furter, who is underrated very much so. He's been overlooked so many times. He was available at 20 to 1 before he ran on New Year's Day at Chilmore. He was shortened to around 10 to 1 after that. And 
Although it wasn't the best performance then, it was a satisfactory comeback. And let's not forget that this horse has won the Gold Cup twice. It knows how to do it. And for me, it's gone in two very different Gold Cups, where one was more of a speed test and one where he held on gamely to beat Santini. That was a serious performance, even though Santini since hasn't really done much. If you look back to last year's race, he definitely was a bit rusty if you look at some of his jumping and he didn't travel with the most fluency and he was still third. He was only beaten five lengths behind Manella Indo and Aplutard. And this season, both of them have been beaten. Manella Indo has been pulled up in the Gold Cup and Aplutard has been beaten by Galvin. Not many would have thought that had happened. So both of them have underperformed and this album photo, I think, he does his thing at Tremor, he wins in satisfactory fashion. And Willie Mullins has been vocal about how he does need to run him more. And if you can get one run in and he's primed for the Gold Cup, I think if he jumps better, he can definitely reverse the form with Manella Indo and Aplutard. And I can't see anything other than that winning it. And Willie Mullins has not won, not won this race loads of times, but I think he knows how to get a mic come Cheltenham. So this would be a pretty strong selection at around 10 to 1. And at this point, I can't really see him being out of the top three in the betting. So he'd be a perfect each way bet at 10 to 1. Yeah, a very nice point there, Joe. I think I think there was a big overreaction almost to Aplutard's Betfair chase win. And from there, and obviously with Albion Phil getting beaten in the Gold Cup last year, I think people just wrote him off and he was up to something like 20 to 1 at some point. Obviously, it's been a little bit adjusted now, and even 10 to 1, it's way too big. Because I'm like you, at his age, you probably just need that extra run just to get him, keep it busy, keep him involved, you know, get him that extra fitness that he'll probably have for the day. Yeah, great point, Joe. Definitely not one to write off there. I think along with um, Sam Wai, you've made some really good points regarding those selections, definitely. So there you go, album photo in the Gold Cup for Joe at 10 to 1, and you've got Capadano for me in the National Hunt Chase at 12 to 1. Thank you all for watching. We'll be back again next time with more selections. We'll see you all real soon.